Sin acknowledges and pays respects to the owners of the land, the house of Sin, and the studio stands, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin also acknowledges and pays respects to the elders and traditional owners of the land our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. everybody and welcome to week two of the Wednesday edition of the Sports Desk. My name is Tom Parry. I'm being joined this morning by Jacob Scanlon. Good morning, Jacob. How are we? Well, I'm very well, thank you. How are you on this rather mild Wednesday morning? Yeah, I'm alright. Bit side. Bit side. We all are. It's, it's midweek blues, you know. Yeah, it's how it is. Got to get over them somehow. But um, we hope to be uh, getting over them by talking about the big event that happened in the sporting world on Monday, which was Super Bowl 54, Jacob. I still haven't watched it, but the news has been coming in left, right and centre, and uh, it looks like one hell of a game to watch. It was absolutely one hell of a game to watch. I did take the day off work so that I could watch it live and I absolutely enjoyed it. I do it every year, actually. It's it's become like a tradition for me. I just take that Monday off work and just spend the entire day at home watching a game which I barely understand and enjoying <laughs> myself enormously. Yeah, so your opinion on the game itself? The game itself, I thought it was a very good game, actually. So for those who aren't aware of the final score, it was the Kansas City Chiefs, the winner of the American Football Conference, who won over the San Francisco 49ers, who were the National Football Conference Championships, champions, I should say. And the final score was uh, 31-20 30, in favour of the Chiefs. Now, at half time, it was actually an even score, 10-10. to 10, And that's only happened, I think, three or four times in Super Bowl history. So it was something rare there. And then, as it got into the third frame, or quarter, as we'd call it here in Australia, the San Francisco 49ers were ahead by 10 points. So the score was 20-10 in their favour. And then the Chiefs came from behind and scored another 11 points to win the game. There was a um, controversial uh, touchdown in there, wasn't there? there? There was indeed, Jacob. We were just mentioning it before on Get Serial. In the final moments of the game... One of the players, I can't for the life of me remember his name, but he it appeared as though he stepped outside the field of play before he made the touchdown of the football. So unlike rugby, where you have to actually physically put the ball on the ground in order for it to be a touchdown, in American football, it only has to go over the line yeah. for it to be a touchdown. And what we saw from the replays was that the ball was still in the field when... Uh, yeah, the touchdown happened, but the player was just slightly outside the line there. So, yeah. 
Interesting. I, I yeah. can't imagine that um, went down too well with a lot of fans. No, it seeing didn't. Get... The 49ers were um, very much the favourite. They were very much the favourites. As they walked onto the field or ran onto the field, there was a huge cheer for them, and the Chiefs came in later, and there was a chorus of boos. So, yeah, clearly um, the crowd was biased, and they weren't happy with that decision. But uh, it was shown on the video replay, the referees on the field and uh, behind the screen said, no, that's okay, we'll allow that. So yeah, not much are. you can really do in that situation. There's really not much it's you can do at all. Them, though, because it's the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the first time they've won uh, in 50 years. It is the first time they've won in 50 years. So the Kansas City Chiefs last won a Super Bowl in 1970. In yeah. And they had uh, won the title once before that. So that's now three... No, sorry, two wins out of three games for uh, the Chiefs. And the other one that I keep seeing floating around um, is Andy Reid. Uh, 21 years of coaching and um, he's finally won his first, uh, I guess, big accolade. That's true. Now, Andy Reid has only been the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs for a few years. Before that, he did guide the Philadelphia Eagles to their Super Bowl game, which they lost. And before that, obviously, he was one of the you know, assistant coaches, as we've mm. called them in Australia, for the other teams. But, no, this is the first title for Andy Reid. And I have to say, if, if you haven't seen a photo of him, just look it up, because he looks like a stereotypical American. <laughs> he's, got, he's got the huge mo, he's got the huge gut. He looks like, he, he looks like he's a sheriff in 1800s yeah, America, it, honestly. He looks like the very Texas sheriff who, um, mm. a bit slow, but... Does his job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the weird thing is that Kansas City is actually in Missouri, so it's it's not quite mm. the South. It's kind of like the Midwest, I guess you could say. Yeah. So, yeah, well done to the Chiefs there. And we should also mention that the most valuable player of the game was Patrick Mahomes. He's only 24, so he's younger than me. And that's actually quite young for a football player as well. Yeah. Mm. And he was last year's uh, MVP for the NFL overall as well. He's doing well for himself, now, especially at such a young age. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, you know, I just think of all these sportsmen who are my age and younger, and I think to myself, if I had, have, you know, been a bit more diligent with training and, you know, actually turning up at these sporting practices, you know, <laughs> where could I have been? Uh, it, it's horrible to look at um, the younger players coming mm. in and getting all these accolades and doing so well, and you're sitting there three or four years older than them. Mm, very <laughs> true. Now, um, I mentioned before that the Kansas City Chiefs were the winners of the American Football Conference. So to explain, listeners, the NFL has a conference system similar to the NBA, but rather than East v. West, what they do is they sort the teams quite uh, cleverly into uh, four categories in each conference. So they'll go North, East, South, and West. They'll have four teams from each of the respective corners of America, and then they'll do the same in the National Football Conference as well. And that, the idea behind that is to provide a more even spread of teams to ensure that it is actually the best two teams which get into the final. It's, it's a great idea. It's, um, it makes more sense than, uh, I guess, our AFL situation where it's all Victorian-based mostly anyway. Um, and uh, it does really show the best of the best from the game. Mm. Um, with that said, it doesn't always work. That's that's to be expected, though, with every sport. Uh, occasionally, you'll have an upset, you'll have a surprise, and you'll have a team that doesn't really look like they belong there. Um, but it does, I guess, filter out the worse, uh, the worser teams and bring the, the cream of the crop to the top um, and just fix everything, uh, not fix everything, but make it look the best it can. I guess so. We'll be returning with uh, more sports news in a moment, specifically about the cricket. Sin. 
where young people run the show. You are listening to the Sports Desk on scene with Jacob and Tom, and it's time to move away from America's favourite sport now and talk about Australia's third favourite sport behind <laughs> AFL and Rugby League, and that is cricket, specifically the Big Bash final, which is happening tomorrow night. Now, Jacob, have you been following the Big Bash over the summer at all? Um, Not actively. I'm not a big uh, cricket fan, but um, it is, I guess, in the background as it's cricket season and there's not too much else going on if you don't follow um, certain sports. Well, there has been the tennis, so that's taken a hit on um, Channel 7's ratings, or just the ratings of the Big Bash in general. But um, overall, you know, it's still pretty popular. Mm. People are still tuning into it. Now, you might remember, listeners, last week we were talking about how the final system worked and we were previewing the game that was happening on the Thursday which was between the Hurricanes and the Thunder, and that happened in Hobart. Now, the Hurricanes ended up losing that match, which meant that the Thunder went through to play Adelaide at the Adelaide over, so team number three versus team number five, and the Thunder ended up winning that game too. So that meant that they went through to this game, which is called the Challenger, and they're playing the Melbourne Stars, who lost their home game against the Sydney Sixers last week, which means that the Sydney Sixers go straight through to the final at the SCG, and the Melbourne Stars have to win tomorrow night in order to stay in the competition and head to Sydney for the final, which is really quite extraordinary because the whole reason we have this new final system is so that we don't have a repeat of what's happened in previous years where... You know, one's played against four and two's played against three and it's been the weakest teams who get through into the final rather Mm. than the strongest teams like you'd expect there to be. I mean, the Melbourne Stars have been phenomenal all year and they sort of like choked against the Sixers and now they're having to play against the Sydney Thunder and there is the very real possibility that they could choke again, Jacob. What would that uh, what would that entail for the um, the finals? Well, for the finals, it would mean that uh, the Sydney Thunder, who is remember placed fifth on the ladder, will go through and play the Sydney Sixers in Sydney at the SCG. And the games the Thunder have played against Sydney, they haven't done all that well. So I imagine that the Sixers would win easily in that scenario. But yeah. then again, this is a competition which has thrown up many surprises and anything can happen. So it's possible that the fifth team on the ladder might win <laughs> the final on Saturday. Oh, it's, anything can happen right now. I mean, um, look at the whole season with uh, the Renegades. They started um, horribly after an amazing year last year. Well, the Renegades, they did win the championship. That's true. But a lot of people said they were the weakest team in the competition. So... Yeah, maybe their eighth placing this year is kind of retribution for what happened last year. Yeah, I could say that. And so on my notes here, I've got uh, it says uh, it could be a Sydney uh, final, completely so, Sydney. Yeah, all Sydney final, yes, which would be good for the crowds up there, not so good for, you know, the viewers watching at home maybe. Also, we should mention that on Saturday's game, there will be a charity match, and they've got a lot of big names signed up for that. Um, So Ricky Ponting, Shane Warne, putting teams together to basically raise money for the bushfire appeal. And, of course, we will have more about that uh, on Friday's show. So, Jacob, given what's happened in this final series so far, do you think that the Big Bash League will keep a similar structure for next year's final series, or do you think they'll just try to mix it up again? I it's hard to say. It's um, it keeps it exciting to see mm. such a an interesting setup. Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if they try to mix it up a little bit and try and make it even more exciting, and I guess mix it up even more. Mm. 
you know what my idea is for the mm. final series? They do what they do with the tri series matches in like the one day series. So what they do is they have like the top three teams playing against each other, and then the winner of those two or three games goes through until the final, and then that determines who the victor is. I like that setup. It's um, yeah, that makes sense. It's uh, it doesn't allow for a team that honestly doesn't deserve to be there mm. to be there. Yes, true. Um, well, in most cases, anyway, and it would leave to uh, lead to more exciting, um, I guess, lead ups to the uh, final. Yeah, and I agree wholeheartedly. And of course, we'd like to hear your thoughts on this as well, listeners. You can get in touch with us via syn.org.au and also at Sports Desk on Instagram, Twitter, and through our Facebook page as well. So, yeah, check us a sneaky DM, and, yeah, we might even read your comments out on the show. Sin, where young people run the show. You are listening to the Sports Desk with Jacob and Tom on a Wednesday, and it's time for us to talk about all the cricket which is happening in South Africa, because there is a lot of it. There's, yeah, there's a lot to read and a lot to uh, yeah. talk about here. Yes, because, of course, New Z- uh, not New Zealand, uh, South Africa played host to England over the December-January period when we mm-hmm. were playing host to New Zealand. That's what I wanted to say. And uh, also, they've had the Under-19s Cricket World Cup in South Africa. Yes, yeah. this has been um, a bit of eventful for one or two people. And, it, it has indeed. It's been going since uh, mid-January, so I think it started on the 18th of January. And Australia, they've been doing okay in the tournament, but yeah. unfortunately, uh, one of their top cricketers uh, had to be sent home. As yeah. So, so this is um, Jake Fraser McGurk, who top scored in the match against the West Indies that Australia lost at the very beginning of the tournament, and he had to go home because he was attacked by a monkey at a safari park. That's it's it's a story to tell, and um, I don't really know if we could have prepared for that in any manner. I don't think That's... anybody was able to prepare for that. But Jake, he's taken it all in good humour. He said, "You know, I got a bit too close. I got a bit carried away," and uh, he has been sent home on the advice of the doctors on the team. But you know, promising that young cricketer, he plays for Victoria as well, so we can expect to see his name. In the years to come, possibly playing for the Australian team, maybe in the Big Bash Leagues. Good to hear. We will have to wait and see. Uh, But the other more unfortunate thing about the tournament is that uh, some of the young Australian players, they have been caught in a uh, casual racism row. This is how the Sydney Morning Herald is describing it. Coming off an Instagram post from um, poor Jake Fraser McGurk again, Mm. Um, some of his teammates have commented on it with phrases that can be taken as making fun of um, uh, yeah, pe- people who yeah don't speak English as a first language. And um, I think it was actually an Indian journalist, Shashank uh, Kishori, who actually called them out for it. And uh, the Australian cricket team has apologised. The players have been sanctioned for it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they did catch on to it. And, yeah, so... But, you know, these young men, they've got to be very careful with what you post on social media. That's one of the first things that people say to you these days, actually, when you head to university or when you're preparing to go into a new job. Just be very careful with your social media. And if you see anything that's just... Even slightly inappropriate, just get rid of it. Pretty sure most um, sporting, I guess, uh, conglomerates, Mm. when you move into it, they usually um, sit you down for a huge meeting to go over this. Mm. I imagine it's been the same with the uh, under-18s. It's just, um, it is definitely um, disappointing and interesting to see 
um, such uh, language and such um, behaviour mm. uh, from uh, names I've got here, Ollie Davies um, and Liam Scott. Mm. Um, hopefully they'll learn their lesson. But I'm sure they will. They are young. They will no doubt learn from the experience and they probably will never make this mistake again. Let's hope so. Yes. All right. Now, coming back onto the tournament itself, Australia were in Group B. Uh, we were lumped in with the West Indies, England, and Nigeria. We won two of the games. We lost to the West Indies, as I mentioned earlier. And that meant we what went through to what was called the Super League Finals. And that's where all the, the top two teams rather, of each group uh, play each other to determine who goes into the finals. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. The bottom two teams of each group, so there's four countries to each group, four groups overall. The bottom two countries of each group grow, go through to what's called the Plate League. And... It is through those games that they determine who wins essentially the secondary championship. And the people who lose those actually, this is the most extraordinary part of all, Jacob. They uh, end up playing in uh, playoffs to determine where they come in the ladder overall. So, for example, Japan and Nigeria played each other earlier in the week to determine who would be 15th place on the ladder. I mean, playing for an honour, um, obviously 15th is an amazing place to sit. Well, no one wants to be 16th, so, you know. Look, you're right. Yep. Uh, and it was um, actually Nigeria that won that game uh, with eight wickets to spare and uh, 22 overs remaining. Yeah. Sorry, I had that wrong. 27 overs remaining. So, that is... Um, quite an achievement uh well meanwhile australia will be f- f- facing off against the west indies uh to determine who will be fifth place and of course we lost against the west indies so it would be interesting to see how we perform there especially without jake fraser mcgurk mm-hmm. and then after that we've got the third place playoff which is yet to be d- determined who plays that and the final is taking place on february the 9th which is is a Sunday or Monday Australian time, and that will be India against a yet-to-be-determined team. So, yes, their under-19s World Cup. It's shaping up to be a good one. It it's, is shaping up to be a good one. And if, if you can get past the confusing fi- uh, fixture and ladder system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if but, you can get past that, then, yeah, it is a good cup there. And uh, also there was news announced just yesterday of the squad that would be touring South Africa later in the month. This is the one-day squad. So Aaron Finch is leading both the one-day team and the 2020 team. Selected in the one-day team have been Sean Abbott, Ashton Agar, Alex Carey, Pat Cummins, Mitchell Marsh, Glenn Maxwell, Joe Richardson, Kane Richardson, Steve Smith, Mitchell Stark, Matthew Wade, David Warner, and Adam Zampa. And in the 2020 squad, we have uh, Agar, Carey, Cummins, Josh Hazelwood, Marnus Labuschagne. Well, that's interesting, actually. Mm. He's been selected for the T20, but not the one-day squad. Uh, Marsh again, Maxwell again, Kane Richardson, Smith, Stark, Wade, Warner, and Zampa. So, yeah, strong team. This will be the mm. first time that Australia has toured South Africa since the infamous sandpaper incident, which Ooh. was two, or nearly two years ago, about 22 months ago. I was actually um, doing a sports desk podcast with Caleb Scanlon, who's now the executive producer of our program at the time, and we were just absolutely dumbfounded. It, it, it happened only hours ago, and it's just like, well, 
why? <laughs> it, it'll be amazing to see how um, Steve Smith goes back over there again. Yeah, it will. And Dave, Warn- there. and Dave and Dave Warner, Warner as well, well yeah. because he's the one who copped a lot of the um, abuse from not just the players on the South African team, but the crowd as well. Sin on your radio, on your TV, and online at syn.org.au. This is the Sports Desk with Jacob and Tom. It is the Wednesday edition and we're going to be talking some more about all the cricket that's happening because, you know, I just can't get enough of this sport. I don't know about everybody else, but, you know, I live and breathe cricket. Now, last week on the show, James Worth and I were talking about the upcoming Women's T20 World Cup that was happening or beginning rather on the 21st of February, if my memory serves me correctly. And we mentioned that there'd be a number of warm-up games before that happens. Now, So those warm-up games are still happening. At mm-hmm. the moment, we've got the Women's International Tri-Series, which is uh, being played with India and England yep. against Australia. Last weekend, there were three matches played at Monica Oval in Canberra. I think Australia won against the Indians by four wickets. We lost to England in a super-over and this weekend, there are three matches being played at the Junction Oval in St Kilda. And as James and I were saying last week on the show, we strongly encourage everybody to get down there, support the cricketers, because they are the world's best. Even if you're not a big cricket fan, it's mm. uh, worth the go- worth going for the environment and the um, atmosphere behind a cricket game. Uh, absolutely, it is. And yeah, as we said last week as well, take the kids out of school. You know, they can miss a day. <laughs> you know, get them down there, inspire yeah, if you, them. If you've got a sporty kid, this is a great um, opportunity for them to uh, see uh, a sport up close mm. um, and one that it, it's easy enough to understand. Mm. Well, especially in the T20 format because it's so mm. short, and you know, a lot of kids have short attention spans. So exactly. <laughs> And as well as that, there's also going to be a number of warm-up games which are beginning next week. That is the 14th of February, and they will be taking place just before the T20 World Cup officially begins here in Australia. So, yeah, lots of cricket still happening, Jacob. It's amazing to see uh, the cricket season continue on so uh, heavily, especially just leading into what feels like an earlier and earlier uh, footy season. Yeah. It's good to see it not getting drowned out, at least mm. in Victoria. Mm. Um, and, yeah, no, it, it's... I feel like cricket's getting bigger and bigger every year, especially the, um, the women's leagues yeah, and it's so it, on. It's really interesting you say that, because I feel that cricket, especially compared to when I was in primary school and cricket would go through right through until February, it just feels like the season's stopping short. I, I, I don't feel like we're getting more cricket than what we used to. Maybe it's, that's just because, you know, the TV rights have changed recently and we're not Might seeing be. as many one-day games or things like that. But, yeah, I just feel like there there's not enough international cricket. I mean, the domestic cricket, we're seeing plenty of that, but there's mm. not enough international cricket being shown. Yeah, I could definitely see that. But, again, mm. the, the, I guess the easiest thing I could say would be the... Um, Domestic is really strong right now, and it just is, games being true. played here. Um, like I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the games at the Junction Oval, mm. and they all look great to um, watch, and all great times, all easy to get to. Something that growing up for myself, and I imagine for you, mm. the idea of going to a cricket game didn't seem anywhere near as easy as it is now. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah, because, of course, those domestic games happened, but there wasn't a lot of media coverage for exactly. them, and they were, yeah, often out of the way. Whereas Junction Oval, you know, just catch the 96 it's, tram. Yeah, it's not far. <laughs> it's not far at all. This is Sin Media. 
And this is the Sports Desk on Sin. Now it's time for us to jump back into sports news, specifically the AFL Women's Competition, because the season launch was yesterday, Jacob, and there's four new teams in this year's competition. Yes, this year we have the addition of Gold Coast, Richmond, St Kilda and West Coast, bringing the total number up to 14. 14 teams. It's extraordinary to think of how far AFL's come in just, like, what, three or four seasons? Yeah, this is the fourth season, and um, they've gone from starting with, I think, eight. Yeah, it was um, eight teams. Going to ten, and then getting another four this year. So it'll be amazing to see, and I wouldn't be surprised next year if uh, we have a full list of 18 teams. So, so yeah, let's actually point out, because there's 18 teams in the male competition, and the only four teams in that competition which aren't being represented here in the Women's League are the Sydney Swans, Port Adelaide, the Hawthorne Hawks, and the Essendon Bombers. So my team's not being represented in the AFLW. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't imagine how that would be. I feel like that that's probably one of the biggest um, struggles the mm. AFLW started with was having so many teams missing. Mm. People weren't as invested to uh, support a team that wasn't there for them. Now, Jacob, you're more on top of this than I am. Why is the AFL pushing for, or why are there rather so many female teams now? Uh, well, because uh, women's AFL is growing and getting bigger, and um, I feel like this is the time they need to start pushing it harder and harder. Mm. More teams allows for more bigger names per team, similar to the men's season, where you can name a team and um, a certain player will come to mind, like mm. a, a Pendlebury or uh, a Heppel. Mm. Um, whereas the women's league doesn't exactly have that right now, and with um, some teams like Richmond coming in. Richmond mm. has the largest membership base at the moment. It does, yes. Um, and bringing a women's team in right now while they're at the peak of popularity is sure to bring in even more um, eyes to the game. Mm. And it, it, it's... For those who haven't checked it out, it, it's an amazing, I guess, palate cleanser and I hate to say warm up back into mm. the um, men's season... But, but that's what they're treating it as. So whereas once upon a time it was like the preseason cup that mm. everyone would turn to, now it's like a proper AFL competition that everybody's watching. Yeah, it, it's it's still a great game to watch. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yes, Definitely it is, check sure. it out. Hmm. Um, and with the amount of um, I guess rural um, stadiums they play at, it's yes. really easy to go see um, if you get the chance. And I think that's what a lot of sporting competitions aren't taking advantage of, the fact that there are these regional places where the towns will come out and they will support these teams and they will watch them because that's what they did with the pre-season cup as well. They sent mm. it to places like Bendigo and Ballarat and Wangaratta and everybody turned up because here was the chance for them to see one of the top teams in the competition in their hometown. Exactly. It's, it's an amazing idea. And now something um, I thought would be an interesting topic would be, do you think the state of origin mm. overshadows the AFLW at the moment? Because it's taking place during round four. Mm. And on the same day as the state of origin, uh, we have Melbourne and Collingwood playing at Marvel, whereas the um, mm. state of origins are taking place that night at the MCG. I thought it was taking place at Marvel, actually. Is so it? my understanding was that it was too. going to um, headline that same game, and because the interest in the game was so great, they moved it to Marvel Stadium. So I think it's a real double-edged sword there, because on the one hand, you're getting all these people coming to an AFL women's game, mm. but in order to do so, you've got to draw them in with the men. So it's just like... I, I yeah. feel like it's, it's again, the big it's, it's a lack of big names mm. um, for the women's sides right now. I can't think of too many big names off the top of my head that uh, scream, 
go see women's footy for this uh, at this player. And just on that point, actually, Jacob, do you think that it's getting to the stage where we are in the men's game, where there's just so many teams that we're struggling to fill said teams with quality players, and the quality of the game suffers as a result? Um, that's a hard one. I'd, I'd be interested to see, especially this year with four new teams, mm. uh, such a huge bo- uh, boom. Um. It'd be worth seeing how those new teams perform because mm. I think that'll answer the question completely. Um, but again, falling back on the big names, I can't think of too many. Um, Moana Hope, who uh, re- uh, finished playing a while back, mm. um, and Daisy Pierce, who just came back to Melbourne. Yes. Outside of that, there aren't too many names that aren't, I guess, a little bit niche and uh, names that you hear about in the same manner you might Dustin Martin. Well, you can so argue that people like Erin uh, Phillips, for example, who, yes. if memory serves me correctly, she was the one with that fantastic shot of her kicking the football. Yeah, an amazing yep. shot. Yep, and uh, you mentioned Daisy Pierce as well. Um, oh, so, no, you are right. It is really difficult to come up with a long list of all these great female players, but they are that, out there. That, that's just uh, the effect of it being a newer game, though, and I don't think the AFL's pushing it in the best way they could. No, no, um, I mean, even uh, two years ago, they tried doing the AFL X competition, and then it was yeah. like, well, why are you taking it away from the women's game? What point does this serve, doing this? Look, it wasn't the best decision. It mm. definitely took the uh, interest away, and um, I know I wasn't too interested. No, I don't think many... I think I was just about the only person who was. So I thought, oh, here's an exciting new format of the game, and everyone else was like, would just watch a game of football. Yeah, I watched it and just went, this is weird, and all my players are going to get injured. <laughs> <laughs> True that. Now, unfortunately, that is all we have time for here on the Sports Desk Wednesday edition. Don't forget, our next show is on Friday at 9 with Sam, Jay and Portia. And we've also got the Monday edition with George, Cooper and other Sam. Next week, we hope to be talking about uh, the Sheffield Shield, because that's starting up again, the domestic cricket competition, Mm. as well as uh, all the lead up to the Women's T20 World Cup and any AFLW news that happens to swing our way. Should be fun. So, Jacob, thank you very much for joining me this morning. I very much look forward to your company again next week. Thanks for having me. And we'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in as well. Until we see you again, or until you hear from us again, bye-bye.